0: Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They're the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. I think culture is the top priority in a program. Culture is what makes a great program sustainable. Gimmicks come and go, X's and O's come and go, but a positive, demanding culture is what sustains a program. We want Omaha as much as you do. We will work hard to get there. We've worked for seven months. Our goal is to be playing in June. You
1: there, sitting at home,
2: acknowledge me. You might as well. Everybody's acknowledging me as a matter of fact john cena has acknowledged me john cena acknowledged me and money in the bank john cena acknowledged me on monday night raw he acknowledged me tonight and paul to be honest i wanted to acknowledge john i did i really did i really did yeah
1: I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. Guys, tonight's episode four titled Acknowledge Me, because we have the man himself, Bowman Kimball, right-handed pitcher for the South Carolina Gamecocks, and he's doing nothing but just that. He's trying to get people to acknowledge him. I'm telling you guys, didn't get off to the season that he wanted last year, injury plague but he's worth the wait. We'll talk about him, we'll talk about his story, we'll talk about where he came from, and most importantly, we'll talk about what the Gamecocks have prepared for this upcoming season. Guys, let's get right to it. Help me welcome onto the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, our man, right-handed pitcher from the South Carolina Gamecocks, Roman
0: Kimball. (laughs) Roman, my
3: man, first of all, we want to thank you for being here. How are you this evening?
2: I'm doing great. Appreciate y'all having me on and uh, looking forward to it.
3: No, absolutely. Let's get weird just off the jump. Let's go. So for those that aren't watching the video, Roman's got red lights behind him. I think they might be changing colors. I'm not sure, but let's just start it off. Roman, if there's a zombie apocalypse, who are the three people from South Carolina baseball you'd want on your team to survive?
2: Ooh. To help me survive or just survive in general? Yeah, I'm all for you. Oh, um, Cole Messina. Definitely. Sure. Um, David Cromer. Um, who the last spot, it's tough. Um, I'd say I gotta go with John French.
3: Okay. John French, those three guys. Do you think you four would survive? Yes. I did. You don't think there's none of those dudes that like you got real hungry you'd want to like eat them. I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: is it you is know? it any any surprise that the pitcher pit, picks the catchers?
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's fair. All right. Well, now that you're surviving the zombie apocalypse, let's let's get back to the new age. If you do, you ever do karaoke, Roman? Uh no. You've never, never done, done it. it. I,
2: I mean, I might have when I was like a little Whoa, kid. Well, hey, and you
0: know what, Randy? I got a sidebar. I never even planned this. I forgot to tell you, and I'm going to tell you right here on this episode with Roman. So I was just down in Tampa with Daniel last week, and they have this new thing, Randy. We don't have them here. If they do, I don't know about them, but they're called these karaoke rooms, and you can actually even see in the windows from the street, but you know how big of a wrestling fan Daniel is, Randy. Dude, there was a karaoke room with 12 people dressed like Hulk Hogan. I'm not kidding you. They rolled out through the bar of the karaoke room. It was the coolest thing ever.
3: Uh,
0: Well, it's going to be hard to top that, Roman.
3: But if you had to do karaoke, what song would you pick? Wow. It's a tough one. Coming in hot. This ain't ain't no easy
2: podcast, baby. we
3: heavy hitters.
2: I don't know, man. Um, I feel like what genre would it be? Uh, it'd definitely be something like pop. like, like, I mean, if you're doing karaoke, you can't be like rapping up there. You got to be like, no, it's true. Yeah, you got to sing. Actually, no, I'd probably sing a little country. Actually, probably go yes. like, yeah, it's got to be country. I, mean, yeah. I, I love Morgan Wallen, so it'd probably be a Morgan. <laughs> oh,
3: place,
2: so. this, 5, is TV, TV. this is perfect.
3: This is. Roman don't listen to these haters they're haters but you I, you mentioned I,
0: I was leaving the LSU old Miss game when Ro- Roman when uh you know old Morgan Wallen decided to no show in Oxford okay that's all I know about Morgan Wallen
3: <laughs> well that's a story for another day all right Roman you love country music so maybe you're not even going to have an answer to this question what would your rap name be stage name what would it be
2: oh um I don't know uh the guys on the team my nickname is Kimballs
3: um so, yeah that could be hey that could be a rapper name we could make that work into a rapper name could, could be well well he,
0: little little goes in front of every rapper name so he could uh, be little Kimballs you would <laughs> you wouldn't want to go that route or like King
3: or like King Kimball's or King like that. that's it that's when I tag you on this on Twitter <laughs> that's what I'm tagging you as King Kimballs all right this is gonna be hopefully this is an easier one and this is uh who is or who was or is your childhood celebrity crush? Childhood celebrity crush. Oof. Everybody's got one. Mm-hmm.
2: It's kind of changed throughout the years, you know. Um, you know, as I kind of have grown up, I'd always
0: Margo uh, Margot Robbie is beautiful.
3: Oh my God. She's so beautiful.
2: Yeah. Margot Robbie
0: is beautiful. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, what Tommy Hawk, that's what Tommy Hawk said, too. But he gave us his early one. What was your early one?
2: Early one, I mean, I think when I was a little kid, I always thought the girl from uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid was pretty cute. <laughs> what was it? What's her name? I think is it Pay- Is that Peyton List? I
3: think it is. Uh, I'm not even sure. Yeah. I'm not even sure.
0: Yeah, we're too
3: old for that. We're too old for that. Whoa, Our no, kids no, are watching. No,
0: I no, I watched Diary of a Wimpy Kid. With my kids, with your
3: kids. Uh, further proving that you're old as well.
0: But listen, <laughs> last
3: question before I turn you over here: favorite athlete growing up. Derek Jeter, hundred percent. All about. See, I love every answer. Please, That's somebody. Yankee, man. I'm I'm not a Yankee fan, but Derek Jeter, all time favorite athlete, any sport. It's it's he's number one.
0: So he names his favorite country artist. His favorite Morgan Wallen. It's beautiful. Y'all, what's Daniel? We can just bounce on this. You know, Roman.
3: You, this is going to be me and you the rest of the show.
0: It, it'll swing back around with uh, Notre Dame 2022. Don't worry. We'll y'all won't be friends for long. We'll get there, but we're gonna go to the beginning of Roman's story. Roman, where are you from, man? Upstate New York
2: had a had a, a journey around the country so um but i am originally
0: from upstate new york so when you say upstate new york is it did you come from like a smaller suburban area or were you like in the big city no yeah smaller suburban area
2: so um a town called new Hartford. i don't know if y'all have ever heard of utica surprisingly a lot of people actually know where utica hey, is hey was
3: that that that, was that the the town in the show road trip
2: uh, it, been,
0: it's, a it's more
2: it's more like commonly known with from the office. Yeah. So it's the there's, an, there's a branch,
1: there's The Utica branch. Under okay. Mifflin has a branch there. Yeah.
0: That's correct.
3: Assistant to the regional.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're you're obviously in upstate New York, you know, what's the family dynamics? What's it looking like around there? Uh, you know, mom, dad,
2: only child, um and then my both my grandparents live up there and my uncle lives about two hours away in Rochester.
0: Gotcha. So only child. Were you were you spoiled, Roman? Uh honestly I I wouldn't really say I was spoiled. Um uh, I kinda
2: always had to like I guess work for what I got, which I guess is like good because I feel like if I was spoiled I wouldn't be <laughs> the way I was today, I guess you could say.
0: I guess I, I guess I framed it like that because I was just, I Started thinking through my friends. You're one of the you're one of the few guests that actually is an only child, and I started thinking, I don't have very many friends who are only childs, but the ones who were, they always they were spooled. Was, so that's why I was kind of curious. Uh, but you know, only child. You know, growing up upstate New York. When does when does baseball come in the picture? And is it the only sport you were playing growing up?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I played baseball for as long as I can remember. Uh, I remember going in the backyard with my parents at, like, two years old and swinging the bat and throwing the ball around. Um, You know, I played football growing up a little bit and then, like, kind of just, I guess, dimmed out as I grew up just because I kind of wanted to focus on baseball a little bit more. And then I played basketball in, like, I think eighth or ninth grade, but then also kind of just said, you know, I'm going to focus on this baseball thing and, and see it out. And uh, so then played baseball, pretty much only baseball for, I think the last three years of high school. Um, And
0: then uh, ended up carrying it into college. So uh, as far as like, when, you know, obviously you talk about you only focus on baseball those last three years, Um, obviously a guy of your caliber. And then, you know, I look at some of these things. When did you get into the travel ball scene?
2: Yeah. So the
0: travel ball scene, I had an interesting travel ball,
2: um, career. So I originally started, I think when I was around like nine or 10, I started my first travel ball team with just like a local team in, in Utica. Um, and then I played for them until I think I was about 12 and then played for a team in Albany called the green County outlaws. I played for them from 12 U to I think 14 U And then 15U, I really kind of expanded and ended up playing for the East Coast Lumberjacks, who at that time were kind of a smaller organization, but they've kind of gathered a lot more publicity over the last three or four years. Um, So they're kind of getting to be a bigger organization now. They're based out of Long Island um, and then played with the Lumberjacks for the rest of my travel ball career.
0: Gotcha. So um, and with that, you know, what high school did you go to?
2: Uh so I originally went to New Hartford High School. Um pretty small. Uh, I think the graduating classes were probably around like I want to say 230 people. Um way smaller than what it what it's like down south. And then my senior year I ended up transferring to P27 Academy. Um which is basically a like I guess baseball school, you could say, down here in Lexington, South Carolina, which is about 20 minutes away from where I am now in Columbia, um, and that kind of sparked um, where I am right now. Um, but we'll get into that later because I know y'all want to talk about Notre Dame and stuff. So,
0: yeah. Well, before we even get to that, you know, um, I'm gonna rattle off some of these things. Obviously, at P27, I got the. Stats here, you were 4-3 and three with a 2.50 ERA, 84 strikeouts in your season, se- senior season, but, um, you know, the biggest things that stand out, and it's the reason I brought up, you know, travel ball, starts with, you know, 2019 perfect game, 17 U Northeast World Series all-tournament team, 2020-16 uh, U Northeast World Series most valuable player, um, 2020 perfect game, 18U Northeast Fall World Series champion, 2020 perfect game preseason underclass All-American Northeast All-Region second team, and 2021 perfect game preseason All-American Northeast All-Region first team, and ranked as the top right-handed pincher in the state of New York and number 55 overall in the country. So, you know, first of all, you know, we always like to ask when we read this off, were those a big deal to you then, you know, seeing those kind of accolades stacked up?
2: Um, I mean, I would say, like, the all-tournament team stuff. I mean, like, I feel like that doesn't really matter unless you're, like, in the big tournaments like Jupiter and WWBA. Like, those were kind of the more, like, serious all-tournament teams. Um, but, Like, the rankings, yeah. I mean, at the time, they, like – you try not to think about it, but the numbers out there and like Perfect Game and all those other you know media outlets pub- publicize it so much that like it's kind of impossible to ignore. Um, so it definitely does resonate with you a little bit, um, but I did try my best not to to worry about that stuff.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, most of our guests are from the South. You know, we're in SEC country, so I don't get to go up and see, um, you know, travel or high school ball up in New York. And so, with that, man, you know, being the number one ranked right-hander, seeing all these accolades, listen, just talk to me about um, what ball is up like North. And, um, you know, I even like picture, I think about when MLB starts and it's still really cold. Like, you know, just talk to me about playing baseball, you know, growing up up North.
2: Yeah, I mean growing up north, it definitely makes you into a man because you're always playing in the cold, which uh is definitely not ideal. Um, I definitely like being down south and in the warm weather a lot more than than uh what I did being up up north in the cold. Um but yeah, I mean baseball in upstate New York, man, I mean it's you don't really see a lot of players going to any big schools. Um, I think me and one of my best friends growing up, Avery Cook, who was at Purdue last year and is transferring to Georgia Southern this year. Um, we're kind of like the two, the two guys who were like going to play division one and from upstate New York. Um, so it's, it's very rare that players from, from my area, like go to big places to play ball. So um, it's definitely uh, interesting to, to grow up in that kind of, You know, atmosphere where all these guys down south are pretty much like committed to play somewhere big. So uh, going down to like the travel scenes and, and seeing that for the first time when I was about 14, 15 years old, like going down to Florida and seeing all these guys, like it was definitely something I hadn't experienced before.
0: Yeah. And it kind of made me think, Randy, it made me think to Christian Moore, who's our only other guest from New York. He moved down to East Tennessee in high school to uh, change, you know, the scenery and get more uh, acclimated to where he could play stronger baseball. So, you know, you just talking about that and I start to really think about it. I don't really see too many guys who do come up there, like you say. But even with all that, you know, obviously you're garnering all these uh, accolades. Colleges got to start hitting you up early. At what point do colleges start recruiting you?
2: Uh, yeah so for my recruiting process um, I think I was I had just turned 15 I, I want to say when I first started getting looked at by schools um, and it all kind of really happened super quick Um, I remember I went down to Florida with the Lumberjacks it was my second tournament with them and I pitched against the Orlando Scorpions at that time they were like super highly ranked travel team had a, had a good amount of division one commits. I think it was like five or six. And at that time, like I'm a sophomore in high school. So most kids are, you know, uncommitted at that point and, uh, ended up having a really good game. And there were, I think 16, I want to say 16 power five schools. So my coach told me, and I ended up getting three calls. Um, so I basically had three interests from, uh, it was Notre Dame, Virginia tech and Boston college. Um, so all relatively Northern
0: schools, but Uh, all really good schools. Yeah. All all good. Yeah. yeah, All good schools.
2: So, you know, um, at that time, like I was like, you know what, there were 16 teams there. I said, screw it. I'm just gonna, you know, visit these, these three schools and make decision. Like I just threw arguably the best game of my life at at that time. And I was like, if, if these teams aren't interested, then screw them. I'll just go to these three schools and find the best fit and ended up visiting Notre Dame and, and ended up really loving it. And um, I still love it to this day, man. Like Notre Dame is always going to hold a spe- special, place in my heart. And um, it's, it's a great institution, great, great, made lots of great memories and uh, lifelong friends over there. So.
0: Yeah. For, for us, I mean, especially because in the time era we grew up, right. Uh, even though we're doing a baseball show, Um, Rudy was a huge movie for us. Right. And like Notre Dame has this majestic feel, especially because they were top dogs in numerous sports at that time when we were kids. And, and so like, yeah, South Bend has always had this kind of majestic feel. It's like one of those places that I still haven't been that I really want to go to. So I can only imagine for you, like, you know, going up there and, you know, go to, I, I see the pictures of the campus and everything. It's just beautiful. So I can only imagine you get there and you're like, wow, like, you know, I can go to school here and play ball.
3: Well, let's talk about exactly that when you do get to Notre Dame, obviously the history, the tradition, great school, educational facility, all that stuff. What are the emotions like your first day on campus as a student?
2: Yeah, so the thing at Notre Dame is like student athletes are a lot different than students there because like a lot of most of the normal students there kind of think that you're like if you're an athlete that like you're kind of excluded from being the student portion there which is a little bit different than most schools definitely different than sec like here like most athletes are like being regarded as like the top dogs on campus um so that was definitely um something that I wasn't really I guess kind of expecting um but yeah no the but getting onto campus and just like seeing like the whole college life especially at Notre Dame because there's so much tradition just with school and athletics there that like it's it's definitely something big for sure, um, and it's a lot to take in. But, you know, once you settle in for – like I had about like a two-week period of settling in, so once you kind of get through that and, you know, you, you, you're you all settled in, it's it's a blast up there, and I, I had a lot of fun.
3: No, absolutely. Let's talk about a little bit of the baseball. You played one season there where you were a perfect 4-0, 32 strikeouts, 25 innings pitched in 2022, but more so than the numbers show. Roman, what did you learn the most from your freshman season at Notre Dame?
2: Uh, man, I guess the biggest thing I learned was um I guess not to take it not to take everything for granted, you know? So, um coming in, you know, I was I was pretty confident in my ability to end up pitching well. Um and you know, I didn't I didn't throw exactly how I wanted to last year, um but you know, I did pitch a good amount for a freshman um and ended up doing having some really good games and some not so good games. But, you know, that's that's part of being a freshman in, in a big conference like the ACC. And especially with before the transfer rules, the ACC was, was really solid last year. I want to say they had about eight teams, eight or nine teams make the tournament, I want to say, last year. So yeah. uh, the competition was definitely really strong, and um, it was – it was definitely a good learning experience for me especially to to be on a team that went to Omaha too and kind of see what that's all like and kind of carry that experience down here with me to South Carolina. Um so that was that was a a great experience last year and I definitely will cherish that for for as long as I live. So
3: yeah, so you you know you took that away from my team but no no big deal. Um yeah. you know, funny story, true story Roman. The uh the the day weekend after Notre Dame puts Tennessee out. I'm, I'm a Tennessee fan. If you can't tell, uh, Jim, our our next guest, our very next guest is a Notre Dame player. Comes on, the camera comes on. He's so nice. And it wasn't just a
0: Notre Dame him. player, it was the one that put it on, y'all. Jack Brannigan. It was
3: Jack Brannigan. Jack Brannigan, Brannigan. And, and what a dude, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, dude. he's a dude, and he was so nice. And he was like, Man, look. Uh, you know, obviously we won the series, but that's probably the best team in the country. And I'm like, don't you patronize me. <laughs> but no, but I want to talk about it. So obviously you talked about it. You pitched in some really big tournaments. You pitched in some really big moments. But you get a chance to go to Omaha. You even see some action against Oklahoma. So, you know, we talked about your emotions when you get on campus at Notre Dame. What are your emotions as you're running out and you're, you're toe in the rubber in the College World Series? You know, we'll talk about what that's like.
2: I mean, dude, it was, it was, a dream come true, man. Like you think of that moment ever since you're a little kid. And I've, I had dreams of playing in the college world series since I was like five years old. So it was definitely a dream come true. But I, like when everybody like asked me about it, like when I first got here, all my teammates were like, oh, like, what was it like in Omaha? Like, what was it like pitching? I just tell them, I'm like, dude, you run out there and like, you don't hear anything. You don't see anything. And like, it's literally just you, the catcher, the umpire and the hitter, like everything else is just blackout. Like you don't even, you don't even see it or acknowledge it or think about it. It's, you're just so locked in on on what you're doing that like, it's, it's a totally different ball game, especially when you see 25,000 fans in the stands and you're used to seeing about 200 in South Bend. So it's definitely a different atmosphere.
3: Yeah. So I kind of want to talk about that. Something you said not to take things for granted. And now, you know, you, you kind of black out. We've had a lot of players say that, but obviously, and you sound like a worldly guy, right? Do you ever get a chance as a player to take it all in? Cause perspective is a big thing in life. Right. And and you're saying some buzzwords that are making me think, do you look back on that now and realize what an honor it is? Cause it seems like you do, man. It does not sound like you're the kind of guy that just takes it for granted. Like you're going to get back there. Like it's really easy.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, like I was saying, that's, that's, the biggest kind of takeaway I had from last year but you know like being able to pitch in that moment and like making one of my dreams come true was definitely something that I will cherish and you know to this year kind of gave me a whole different perspective on on the game and like how I'm supposed to you know see things from a more of an outsider perspective because that's kind of what I did this year you know not being able to play and having to watch from the dugout and then in the postseason we had to sit in the stands because we we couldn't be in the dugout because of the the roster limit. So that kind of gave me all that like a collection of everything kind of just gave me a different perspective of like, damn, like especially being in the SEC this year too and and seeing the fans and like you're you're really just like, damn, like this is this is all real and like it's it's definitely a lot different atmosphere than what Notre Dame was like too. Um which is i guess also kind of factors in because i mean in, in south bend we weren't really used to having a lot of fans at the games whereas here in gamecock country there's there they'll pack that place out so um but yeah i mean it it definitely gives you perspective for sure and you know like seeing how much it means to the fans here and and all that stuff it definitely plays a factor and i'm excited to get back out there next season
3: no absolutely man so i got one more for you man so you You talked about the love. You'll always have a special place for Notre Dame, but obviously you've talked about it. It's known you transferred out of Notre Dame after the one season. So what's the biggest reason for the move? Just better for you better for baseball.
2: Oh yeah. So, I mean, the coaching change was kind of the biggest reason for that happening. Um, You know, coach Jarrett leaves and goes to Florida state and um, the pretty much the rest of the coaching staff followed as well. Um, But you know, um, I, I had a great relationship with Coach Rostano and he was in the running for the head coach job at Notre Dame. Um, and I remember I was in the Cape last year um, when kind of all this went down. And I believe Coach Jarrett left about two days after we got back from Omaha and said he was going to Florida State. So kind of just waited out to see what would happen. I knew Coach Rostano was in the running for the head job, so I just kind of wanted to wait it out. Ended up waiting it out. And he obviously did not end up getting a head coach job. Um, And for me, um, Coach Jarrett really kind of wasn't my style of play, or, or well, I shouldn't say my style of play, but more, more so my style of coach. Um And, you know, so I kind of just wanted to explore other options and immediately right away, South Carolina was, was number one on my list right off the get go, just because of, you know, coming here when I was at P27 and watching some games and seeing the atmosphere and, you know, like the, this, this atmosphere here at Founders Park is, is what like I wanted like this, is that's what I dreamed of when I was a kid is playing in front of thousands of fans every, every night. And, you know, just getting to experience that that kind of atmosphere. And, you know, that that plays a big factor for me on the mound, too, because, you know, all those fans cheering and stuff, it gets you a lot more adrenaline and, you know, you're locked in and you want to win for the fans and your team. So it definitely helps. But, um, yeah, like South Carolina was where I wanted to go right off the get go. And thankfully, Coach Kingston and um, and the rest of the coaching staff gave me an opportunity to play here. And I'm, I'm excited for next year.
3: I got one more question before I hand you over to D.B. So, you talked about the adrenaline you get, you know, obviously pitching at home and that's all good. Everybody's rooting for you. Do you get the same adrenaline rush or more when it's the opposite, right? Because, I mean, you when you go to Mississippi State or you, you played at Tennessee, right? It's not a huge part, but it's, you know, like kind of hornets nesty. It's loud. They're yelling God knows what. I mean, do you get that same adrenaline rush?
2: Uh, yeah, but the adrenaline is more of kind of like a pissed off adrenaline compared to like, <laughs> a let's go adrenaline, you know, because you see all these fans and they're screaming stuff at you. And sometimes you just have to like, it's so outlandish that you just have to like pause and take a second and be like, dude, what the hell did you just say? And it's just like,
0: well, that means they won if they're making you yeah. say that though.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean,
0: now they Google your family and they just, they yeah,
2: and anything, it's, like, right? and it's like, dude, like that's why you're in the stands and I'm on the field, you know, but I do, I do think that it's a different type of adrenaline, but you know, you get just as amped um, to, you know, go out there and and try and win a game for your team. So it's, it's a blast for sure. I I love that adrenaline rush. That's, that's one of the the biggest reasons why I love pitching and competing. So
1: So I, I do want to touch on South Carolina, but before we get there, I want to go back to, to the Cape um obviously you play with the chatham anglers and for us the movie summer catches is one of our favorites and i don't know like i have to ask this question now because we're pretty damn old now and it's quite possible you've never seen this movie but have you seen the movie summer catch
2: i haven't seen it but i know of it being in chatham
1: so you know the question is is you know i'm sure people have talked about it is the actual life of a baseball player in Chatham and the Cape, the same thing as what's portrayed in the movie.
2: Um, see, I, I don't think I could give you an answer on that. Cause you know, none of the guys ever really talked about it,
0: man. That's like a, you gotta, you gotta watch that movie. Like, yeah, I feel like a homework assignment. Yeah. I feel like now I got to watch it. And like, then yeah. Daniel, Jessica Beale would have then been his crush answer. Yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> easy, easy for you. Um, it, you know it's it's probably a good thing you didn't spend time watching that movie because you had work to do you were 2 and0 with 28 strikeouts and 20 innings pitched um tell me about the benefits of playing in the cape league um you know for for you know we have players of all caliber listening to the show what is the benefit of playing in the cape league and like what is that experience like when you're there is it a lot harder than you imagined. Is it easier? Is it laid back? Is it pressure filled? Like, just tell me about that experience.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously the Cape is, is loaded with talent. Um, that's why it's not the high, most highly regarded league and in, in, in the summer for collegiate athletes. So, um, you know, I, I think that um, it's, it is pretty laid back. Um, but, you know, when you, when you're competing, you know, you that adrenaline rush hits you and you know, you're, you turn the switch on, but Um, Like, I mean, days you're not playing, you just kind of show up to the ballpark. It's kind of like a little bit of a pro lifestyle, just not, it obviously doesn't mean as much. Um, But you are trying to win, you know, because you're a competitor. So, Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the Cape is definitely beneficial, Um, you know, facing off against some of the top talent in the country is, it's no joke. So uh, especially in summer ball too. So um, there's always lots of scouts around because, you know, right before the draft, um, you, you're some guys are down there getting extra work in before the draft and stuff so uh, there's lots of lots of eyes watching you so you know you got to be on your 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 best performance and um, I think that's why it's such a, a good league is because you know you got so many guys down there and so many eyes watching that like guys aren't just going to take everything for granted and um, they're going to go out there
0: and try and play their best. Daniel, I got to ask you. I saw the list. I don't know if you saw it. The list of home run derby contestants for the Cape Summer League. I mean, is Hunter Hines going to just smash this thing? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Randy didn't hesitate. I didn't even ask him. Yes. I mean, I Lyle, Lyle, Miller Green, Lyle Miller Green can can hit some homers. Hunter Hines hates baseballs. I mean, that's <laughs> all he does.
1: <laughs> so, Roman, I I have to imagine that you know, given the so, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes when you're going to the Cape and you're there and you're having to balance one, being away from home, two, having a coaching change and waiting to see if your guy is going to get the job. And then when he doesn't, having to figure out, okay, how do I get to South Carolina if they're on my list? So, how does all that play out? Is that even on your mind or does all of that play out when you're done in the Cape and you're able to actually sit, sit at home and like process some things? No. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say it was pretty stressful at the
2: time. Um, kind of all of it was happening at happening at once. Like, you know, I'd go out and, and start and throw four or five innings and then I have to come home and talk to my parents and figure out like, Hey, we need this from Notre Dame admissions or Notre Dame, um, compliance. So you got to get that over to South Carolina or, you know, I'm get I'm texting with the coaches. Um, from from notre dame or and talking about and seeing what's going on over there and then talking to the coaches from south carolina to see what's going on and you know it was definitely it was definitely a handful for sure and then you know like when i did finally commit to to south carolina i'm I'm in the cape and i got to fill out like an application and and all this stuff so it was definitely a lot to balance and on top of that i'm making youtube videos every week as, as well so it's like i'm i'm constantly on the go and i remember like my host parents would be like roman like you got to get out and go do something and i'm like I'm like i physically don't have any time to go like go to the beach or like go hang out with anybody because i got to deal with what's going on with where i'm going to go next year and the coaches and i got stuff to put out on the internet you know so all that stuff but it was definitely a lot for sure um i'm i did end up like balancing it really well and ended up throwing well down there um which you know I was proud of because of how much I was I was dealing with at the time so um, but yeah it was it was a handful for sure and I definitely do not want to go through that again and won't go through that again because I plan on spending the rest of my college career here at Carolina
1: well let me let me go here then so you obviously you talked about the excitement you finally get into South Carolina obviously that's a big day probably a lot of pressure off your back, a lot of relief going in. Um, was it once you actually step foot in Columbia and into Founders Park and you're practicing, you're with the guys? Was it everything that you expected it to be, or was it you? It, was it like a transition where, oh man, this isn't Notre Dame, this isn't the the Cape, this is something totally different?
2: No, I mean it was exactly what I was expecting. Um, which I was, I was very, very happy about because, you know, that's what I signed up for. And um, to kind of come in here and the expectations are met, that's a huge, you know, confidence booster. And it makes you feel comfortable and you feel more comfortable with the guys and the coaches and stuff like that. So that was definitely a big uh, relief off the shoulders for sure was just coming in here and um, feeling right at
1: home. So that takes you into the fall. You, you're geared up, you're jacked, you're, you're, you're pumped up. All accounts is the staff is 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 looking forward to you being a big contributor in the season. Um, so on October 21st, you go out, you pitch, you throw a couple wild pitches, and you end up leaving with a partially torn UCL. Obviously, not how you designed it, not how you drew it up, or not how the story was supposed to go. I got a couple questions in regards to that, and this is kind of something that I always wonder in my head. Do you think pitching in the summer in the Cape had any effect on why you were injured? Um,
2: I mean, honestly, I think pitching at Notre Dame and being in the Cape kind of all contributed because, you know, I was doing some things mechanically wrong at Notre Dame and I kind of feel like I, you know, carried that over with me into the Cape. And then that's 45 innings right there of probably not solidified mechanics pitching, um, and putting my, myself at risk. And, you know, being a reliever last year, it's, it's a lot more stressful than being a starter because you got to be ready to throw every day and you never know when your name is going to get called. So, um, you know, kind of dealing with being a reliever for the whole season and then, you know, transitioning to a starter in the Cape, but, you know, at, at the time in the Cape, like we were really low on pitchers. So I was throwing pretty much on a major league schedule, like once every four or five days, um so whereas in college you're pretty much throwing once a week um but i feel like that you know definitely did play a factor um i wouldn't say the innings limit played a factor because you know 45 innings like i was doing that in the summer um in high school so that's really not like super strenuous i think it was just kind of the uh compilation of like me not having the best mechanics at the time kind of forming some bad habits And then also kind of trying to transition into that reliever phase as a freshman and being young still, and, you know, not really knowing a hundred percent what's best for my body to be a good reliever. Um, So I feel like those are all things that played a factor, but um, you know, ended up getting here in the fall and worked with coach Parker um, and fixed a lot of things mechanically and ended up, you know, really figuring some stuff out in the fall and was, was throwing extremely well here. Um, and, you know, limiting, limiting walks and throwing a lot more strikes and getting, getting some more breaks to my pitches and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and ended up obviously blowing my elbow out and, and what was probably going to be my last outing of the fall. So, but to be honest with you, I, I am very fortunate for the timing that it happened because, you know, if I had gotten through that outing and then came back in the spring and, you know, that's three months three months time difference and what if I ended up tearing it my first outing in the spring getting ready for the season then I would have really been screwed for next year so I definitely was very fortunate with when it happened um if it was going to happen it happened at the best time so I am very fortunate for that so be approaching about 12 months here in in November so
1: yeah I think when it when it comes to UCL and it comes to Tommy John or even you know shoulder injuries as well like if you're a pitcher at a high level and you're you're doing that on a consistent basis it's it's almost a matter of when not if it's going to happen and and nice. that's the, that's the sad part but the great part about it is we know a lot more about these types of injuries and how to rehab and recover and really come back a lot stronger than where you were prior to so i think the silver lining here is you're with a good team, you're with a good staff, you're a great player, you got the work ethic, and it's just a matter of just staying with it and, and giving it time to, to heal. Cause I'm 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 confident that you're gonna come back better than ever. Um, but I know it had to be hard to sit back and watch the success the team had this season, but kind of give us your take on being able to take a step back and watching these guys play because you know, we we had Will Sanders on prior to the season starting and he said guys I'm gonna be honest with you like this is a team that you need to watch out for you're really good um so given what you were able to see like take us through like your lens of what you were watching and how special it was that these guys were able to, to have such success
3: before you do I want to point out something about Will he came on the year before that and was really brutally honest and said, I, I don't know that we're going to be very good. We got a lot of injury, a lot of this, a lot of that. So when he came on and said, no, no, we're the real deal. We're going to be really good. We we took it serious because if you're going to come on and tell us that you're not going to be very good, that's honesty you don't normally hear.
2: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, watching what I did last year and being a part of that 2022 Notre Dame team that went to Omaha, I really, I mean, the expectations were were pretty high. And, you know, I came in and kind of, saw what was going on here, and you know, at the end of the fall, I was like, it's like, damn, like we got we got some guys like we could we could piece something together this year and you know, I knew coming in that most of the the um the games last year didn't really go South Carolina's way, and they were they were fighting to win um but you know, like taking a step back this year and and watching uh the team have a lot of success this year was it was a blast and um you know a lot of the guys here like i know a lot of the guys here spent the summer here last last year and and worked really hard to to um get to the point where they did um and a lot of guys made a lot of really big leaps in their in their progression to develop as players um that really contributed to our team this year like uh Matthew Becker and Eli Jones and guys like that who you know stayed here in the summer worked their tails off and, and grinded to, to get better. Um, And, you know, watching guys like that have success is, was really kind of the story of our team this past season. Um, You know, you got guys stepping up like Cole Messina and uh, like Talmadge Lee Croy. And, you know, we got Ethan Petrie, who's going to be a future first rounder. So, you know, it's, it's a blast and knowing that we have a lot of those guys coming back next year is, is a relief because, you know, I think we can be just as good if not better next year. Um, but you know, coming in and, and seeing how things went in, in the fall, I was like, we have a shot to be really good. And then about halfway through the season, I was like, I think this team's better than, than our Notre Dame team from last year. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that we will be just as good next year as well. And, um, but watching this season was was a blast, and even though I couldn't be a part of it, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I tell everybody who who um I I talked to about my experience here at Carolina, and and you know, kind of last year at Notre Dame, I said this is the most fun I've ever had playing baseball, and I didn't even pitch at all this year. So, um, the culture here is great. The coaching staff is is very good at what they do, um, and we're the Gamecocks are on the come up, so. I'm excited. Let's go.
1: Let's go. So, I mean, obviously, you know, it was fun, you know, to sit back and kind of be a part of it. And even though you didn't get to step foot on the mound, there's a lot of things that you were able to see, and you can see these guys moving in the direction that you wanted to move in. When you said I'm going to South Carolina, that's what I'm signing up. For. Um, you know and it, it's it's crazy how close you guys actually were to, to making it to omaha because it was it's it's a war of attrition man like it was so many injury after injury after injury and it's like you know every week you know you guys are like just going all right we'll we'll just piece it together we're gonna be fine you know we're gonna be able to make it through as soon as you know everyone's healthy we're gonna and it kind of became the trend week after week after week and it was what, well, even at the end of the season, again, you know, in, in supers against Florida, I still felt as though you guys weren't quite a hundred percent. And I think it was kind of that grueling process of trying to just stay afloat kind of caught up to you in the end. Um, I mean, obviously you guys know, you can hang with that team. That's there. There's no doubt about it. You swept them at their place earlier in the season when you guys were full strength. So, um, you know, that, when you see them do what they do and make it to Omaha and have the run that they did in Omaha, you go, man, shit, like that could easily have been us. So, um, with all that, you know, said, we got to talk about where you're at currently. So obviously there's 12 months rehab that you're looking at. So what's the projected timeline? Are you throwing the baseball? Are you on the mound? Like what, what's it look like right now?
2: Yeah. So I just started throwing every day last week. I've been throwing for about two and a half months now. Um, The total recovery timeline um, is 12 to 14 months. So I went down in last November to have surgery in Texas with Dr. Keith Meister, who is the Rangers orthopedic. Um, He's done lots of big name guys. like He did Verlander, Glasnow, and I'm pretty sure he just did DeGrom not too long ago as well. Um, So obviously was in one of the best hands of all the biggest Tommy John surgeons there are out there. So I definitely was very fortunate
1: and blessed to be able to have him do my surgery. Can I Um, I ask you something on that note? Do you like, when you know you got to have surgery, do you just go, Hey, Google, who did Justin (laughs) Burlander surgery? And then you just go there or was this something where at the school, like they're like, you need to go and these are the guys that you need to see here are your options. Like, how does that work? How do you get the best of the best?
2: Yeah. So, um, the reason, or, well, I guess the, how I found out about Dr. Meister is through my advisor. Um, and you know, he's, uh, their headquarters is out in Texas. Um, so they have some, some ties to Dr. Meister through a couple of guys who have gotten surgery from him prior. Um, so that was kind of how I found out about Dr. Meister, but you know, the, the, uh, the school and the coaches kind of let you do your own thing because, you know, obviously you want to be most comfortable with who's giving, giving you a surgery like this. Um, so, you know, they're, they'll back you hundred percent, um, with whoever you choose to do the surgery, um, which is obviously important. So, um, you know, but I think that's pretty universal around most schools. Um, I don't really think a school would kind of tell you just be like, Hey, like you have to get surgery from this guy. Um, I think most schools are pretty lenient with who um, you can choose to go to. So.
1: I can tell you this, man. It's going to be whoever's in my network. (laughs) (laughs) That's who's doing my surgery.
3: Now what is my deductible?
1: Yeah, exactly. So. It seems like everything's on track. You're looking, looking forward to obviously picking up the baseball, getting back on the mound and, and kind of doing some things. When would you expect, is it, will you be, you know, full go for for a fall or are you going to be modified in the fall and then hopefully in the spring you're full go? Like what what's the, what's the day where they're saying, oh, 100% this day?
2: Um they haven't like, they really don't just like kind of throw a day out there. It's more so as like how you're feeling around the time when you're supposed to be cleared. Um, but I mean, I had surgery November 16th, so I'm kind of expecting to be cleared around November 16th in that about seven day time span. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of expecting to be close to full go by the end of the fall. And the thing that's nice is, you know, obviously i won't be pitching at all, really, in the fall, so I can kind of just keep throwing throughout winter break and kind of build up to get back to full strength for the, for the spring. So I'm kind of expecting to start building up um, whenever I'm cleared, and then probably throw some live at bats over the over winter break, and then kind of be full go for preseason,
1: and then be ready to go for for the season. What do you, What do you anticipate that role being? Are you going to be a starter? Are you going to come out of the pen? Like, what's that look like, you know, at first?
2: Uh, You know, I anticipate being a starter Um, with how I threw in the fall. um, I think that I would have made a running to be a weekend starter this year. Um, And uh, I think that, you know, coming back, I mean, obviously I, I still have a, a, a long way to go to get back to full strength, but I mean, I, like you said earlier, I'm expecting to come back better than I've ever been and, you know, be fully healthy and nothing to worry about. So I'm, I'm expecting to come back, be even better than what I was and um, be, be ready to be a weekend guy here. So.
1: All right. Last question, man, before we we jump into this game and have a little fun. All right. Obviously we know Who's drafted? Who's gone? There's a couple spots opening in that starting rotation. There, you know, there's going to be a couple other spots, um, you know, just in in the in the bullpen. There's going to be plenty of opportunity, I think, for you outside of yourself, outside of guys like Gavin and Ethan. Who are who is somebody that we need to look for for next season? Who? Um, God, I mean.
2: You know, Chris Veach was had some big innings for us this year. Um, he is a dude. And I think he's he's coming back.
0: Um, and I think that he's he's gonna be a big piece for us um next year. Hot take right here, Daniel, since he brought his name up. He should have never been pulled in that LSU game. No, I mean L fan. He out was of the,
1: out of the pen this year. That dude was phenomenal. And yeah. he he helps you guys stay in a lot of ball games and actually win a lot of ball games, um, but yeah. So you got Veach. What about a position guy? Give me a position guy that you're like, man, that guy, he's gonna put it together.
2: Um, we got a kid coming in from North Florida, Austin Brin- Brinling. He's supposed to be solid. But if you're looking just in house, I think Will Tippett is gonna be a dude next year. Um, I don't really know what his role is going to be yet. Um, and, you know, we've – you uh, all obviously know, like, the Cole Messina's, the Talmadge Croix, the Gavin Cassis and, and all those guys. But I th- – I Never th- heard of them. <laughs> I do think that, that you know, Will Tippett had some some at-bats for us at the end of the year, but – and his his batting average was a little skewed because, you know, he did come in when um, McGillis got hurt and, you know, he didn't really see much time before then and uh got thrown into a starting role right away. Struggled a little bit off the bat, but Will Tippett hit – I, I want to say he hit about f- just over 300 in the last month of the season as a freshman who really didn't have any time to, you know, adjust. He got thrown out there into the role, and, um
1: you know, I you, think he performed pretty thank, well. You can probably thank Ethan Petry for making <laughs> – his stats not seem like that's a big deal when you're a true freshman i mean come on guy. yeah but hitting over 300 in the last you know especially y'all's last bit of the season like those the yeah. biggest of the be- biggest games that you could yeah. ever be in so yes I- i'll take your word for it roman I- i'm looking forward to tip it looking forward to you know Veach obviously most importantly we're looking forward to you man we want to see you get on the mound we want to see you do your thing and you know we're we're rooting for you yeah i'm excited man it's it's been a long time
2: coming and you know i was hoping to get out there this year and was excited to get out there this year and um obviously things ended up taking a turn for the worst but that's baseball you know you just got to deal with it move on and you know head down and and just grind you know so um, it's been a, a long eight and a half months so far, this, this rehab stuff, but, uh, I've embraced it. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool. Cause I, I do all the YouTube stuff and I get to document it and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's a blast, but, um, I am definitely looking forward to next year and getting out there and and pitching in front
0: of the 9,000 Gamecock fans we'll have at Founders Park. So, so Roman, he never really said it, but Daniel is an adopted South Carolina fan. See, he didn't have an SEC team. You see the Memphis flag behind him. You know, yeah. You know, with us being Tennessee and LSU fans, he's like, I got, I got to be one. And it was after the Will Sanders episode. He said, you know what, South Carolina is going to be my team. And so, he's with y'all for the whole ride. And I say that because then when Cass you know said he was coming back, we obviously had Petri come on this uh, show, and he's like, you know what, uh, I'm ready for it. And as a matter of fact, we did our way too early uh, preseason predictions because D1 was doing them. Daniel's got y'all winning it all. Let's do it. So, but Randy's got LSU winning also. he's the smartest one in here. I won't pick my own team, so I went Arkansas. But like I said, those were the way too early ah. predictions. We will all change, I'm sure. Well, Daniel might not. He, he may be a homer and just go with who he wants, but we'll see. Randy <laughs> actually actually went to send me Florida and then goes, you know what? I refuse to pick Florida. I can't I, do it. I can't do it. But anyways, let's get into this game, and it's called This or That. Basically, it's simple. We give you two options. Uh, you pick one or the other. You can't say neither, and you can't say both. You down to play? All right, let's do it. All right, man. Important breakfast question right out the gate. You getting sausage or you getting bacon? Bacon. You like it really crispy or you like it kind of soft? Crispy. My All right. I'll meet you for breakfast. All right. I don't know if you got to see it, if you did, or if you've at least seen it the last couple of years, the home run derby uh, that just took place. Do you like the way the new format is where they have the timer? or Do you like it the old school style where it's the amount of pitches?
2: See, I think, I think the amount of pitches was, was better because, you know, timing it's, it's about like, you got to have a good BP thrower and you know, like you're a lot more, I guess tired like you, mm-hmm. you get tired quicker so like you got to build some some stamina so it could be skewed a little bit whereas the the old way is is a little bit more like all right you get your time you get to hit and um however many balls you hit out is however many balls you hit out in your in your 10 outs
0: oh old oh, pete's bb pitcher was trying to strike him out wasn't he randy <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile rodriguez was putting him right in the same spot every time in that first round that's how he got to 41 but yeah uh, the biggest the biggest thing I heard and it, it did make a point because I, I get excited about it either way was you don't get to actually even see the home run because you, you know you, you just, just got to go same. back right you go back
2: to the to the hitter because you know the guys throwing the next
3: pitch so right did y'all see that little kid get hit in the eye I did see that. I did see that. Oh, thank
2: God he's okay. I, it's not
3: safe for those kids to be Why out do I, they keep I, having them out there, not Roman? Not I no,
0: Randy, I saw the best solution to this, actually. I forgot who did it. It was, uh, it was one of our, our College Baseball Network's people, uh, fellas. They said put all the college baseball Twitter trolls that say they can play baseball out there to catch them. Uh, Great idea. I like that. I,
3: I, I would catch the ball.
0: But let me. Let me be real if you
1: can't catch don't go out there
3: (laughs) bro they're like some of them are like seven
1: no it's it's bad if you can't catch uh, a ball don't send little johnny out there moms and dads yeah it might be cool for your kid to go shag some fly balls if you want your kid out there tell him to sit on the warning track if not then
0: don't put them out there. Daniel, you realize it's my kid that would want to go out there and probably take one off the dome, right?
1: Yeah, and I would tell you the same thing. Don't put <laughs> Jack's ass out there.
0: <laughs> all right, moving on. Roman, you're stranded on an island. Your options are either to be all alone on this island or you can be with your worst enemy. What you doing? I'd be alone.
3: Who is your worst enemy? No I'm just
0: <laughs> hey, I was going to say that's not part of it but if he what if he did just shot it right here, off it would good.
2: Honestly I would I, I don't even think I have a worst enemy.
3: You seem like such a nice guy. Somebody out there is probably like going to like I hate that guy. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want to be on an island with this guy. Probably you know I don't know. Could be a jilted lover. We don't know.
1: I'm going you know, go, I'm going to look at, look at all these He's a creator man. I'm going to go put what, see what he's put out there and find that one troll. That's the
0: guy. Here, here's the real question I got for him. I, you know, we got tied into Roman from the guys from uh from Chinook. What if you got one seed flavor out there while you're stuck on this island? What you going with? The uh the Parmesan pepper, I think it is. There you go. Little seed, little seed plug. Yeah, those, 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 are my favorite ones. Those are good. No no doubt. Seed, doubt. And that, that's what I, I think I gave you, Daniel. Did I not bring you Parmesan pepper? I think I, it's the one I that's mean, got two the
1: bags of original. No, Thanks, I didn't. Guy.
0: No, it's got the dude on the front. It's Chinook Cedary.
1: The best flavors in the game. Oh, here you go. Two
0: bags of original. No, Thanks. I did not. I gave I got you- a
3: box of all the flavors from Jim. I gave I'm you saying.
0: mesquite and parmesan. No, that I gave you more than that. You're lying. That's it, bro. Two. <laughs> no, actually, original. I know I actually I gave Randy all the assorted flavors. That's what they sent me because they know I like original. That's my bust. I got, got a cool, hat. I got a cool hat. Can't eat it, though. I mean, you don't know that. You, may, you should you have can't. talked to my son. He's the one hustling out there with seeds, but that's a whole different story. If you Let's had get... cash, you
3: could have bought him from Jack's.
0: <laughs> but anyways, all right, this is the real question for you, Roman. This one's put just for your episode. This ain't a, it's ain't a typical this or that season eight question. Uh, coming off the draft, man, who had a better draft? Up? The Cincinnati Reds getting Rhett Louder, Ty Floyd, and Hunter Holland, or the Atlanta Braves getting Hurston Waldrop, Drew Hackenberg and Cade Keeler. Ooh, I got an answer. So louder Floyd and Holland, or Waldrop, Hackenberg, and Keeler. All stuff think- all studs. I mean, you got, yeah, hey, you got,
2: you got to give me like a second to think about this because I've seen Waldrop, louder, um, Floyd, and um, Hackenberg all throw. I gotta, th- I gotta really and, and
0: I lo- and I loved both of these organizations using their first three picks on pitchers. Like I just yep. I just love. It. And, I, and we're Cardinals fans, right? And we need pitchers. And then first thing we do is don't pick a pitcher with all these guys up there. And I'm like, a freaking course. Yeah. Did, wait, Hunter Holland was on that list too, right? Right.
2: Yeah,
3: he was to the Reds.
2: Yeah. So I I saw him throw this year too.
0: Ooh! Wow. It's tough. Yeah, this wasn't supposed to be an easy one. I mean, there's no wrong yeah. choice, obviously, with these six guys, but. I, now, I know you've seen most of them, so I figured you might have Ooh. one that you prefer. No, than.
2: I I, I got to go with the Reds,
0: man. man. I got to.
2: I got to go with the Reds. Opportunity
0: slipped through my fingers.
3: Cup of coffee. I'm going Reds too.
0: <laughs> I got to go with the, the Reds,
3: you know. Here's the hot take. Maybe it's not a hot take. Ty Floyd's going to be the first pitcher in the MLB from any of those six.
0: Really?
2: I like that take. I agree because you want to know why because Ty Floyd's stuff
3: is off the, charts, off the charts it, he, it was overshadowed by paul Skeens, rightfully so the best
2: stuff in the country but yeah. you know he, he struggled a little bit with command this year
0: um you make me with, feel bad he, about my setup right now he he, big, he's he's the poster behind me i got him covered up he was you know like that was his big problem this year is he just
2: struggled with command like against us he walked like six guys and i think two three innings or however long he pitched for but um you know like I think he gets with the right organization. The Reds are a great organization for developing players, and um, obviously you know Rhett Lowder is a dude, and um, Hunter Holland is is really good too. So, uh, I do think that Waldrop will be a big leaguer very very soon, and I think Agreed. he can be a back end bullpen piece for the for the Braves probably next year, with with his fastball and his split. Um, but I think the better draft class overall was the Reds.
0: Yeah. And like I said, there wasn't a wrong answer. And half those dudes are guests of the show. We, we root for them all. And so it it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. And obviously I was in Omaha and got to see Rhett louder deal and Ty Floyd, uh, deal. And that 17 K game by Ty was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Are you a guy who likes to plan ahead or live in the moment? Ooh, I mean, I'm a big planner, you know, um, I
2: feel like the only time where I don't really know what's going on is, you know, when I go home for about a week and I'm trying to see everybody. I feel like that's the only time I'm really out of sorts. But I do like to plan
0: ahead. I like to to be organized and know what's going on. Absolutely. All right. Would you rather own a massive yacht or a private jet? Oh, that's tough.
2: Um, man. It would be nice to be able to, you know, just hop in the jet and go wherever you wanted. But I feel like a yacht would be pretty sick, too.
0: Yeah, I sent Randy, I sent you that picture when I went and saw Daniel down in Tampa. And I was just walking and I saw small yachts. And I thought to myself, I want the yacht because I was just looking at those. And I thought if I had a massive one, just sign me up. I get the whole jet. You can go Um, anywhere. Oh, yeah.
2: Massive. You said massive yacht, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going with the massive yacht. Going with the massive yacht.
3: Because a lot of those massive yachts come with helicopters. I'm cool with that.
0: I mean I, <laughs> true, true. I, Maybe take it to the next level. I know. All right. This one, this next one's uh it's been interesting. It's uh it's been kind of back and forth with uh, each guest. Would you rather spend an hour in a walk in freezer or two hours in a sauna?
3: So live up north or live down south.
2: <laughs> take it yeah. south every single time. I hate the winter.
0: So go spend oh, two oh, hours. Two hours in Memphis right now, Randy. Call it a day. I'd probably lose about 10 pounds, but no, because you know what? I've had that theory, Roman. And of course, maybe at your age it does, but I go outside and think, I'm gonna sweat all day, I'm gonna lose some weight. And it's still the weight's still there, Roman. It's not working. (laughs) That's just because we're 40, though. All right, this next one's gonna tell us all, man. It's the last question. I've kind of reformed it, fellas. I don't like the second amount, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna you'll, you'll hear it, I'm gonna say it. All right, would you rather win a million dollars, but the caveat is you can only spend it on other people, or win a hundred thousand dollars and you can spend it on yourself? Ooh, man.
2: That's tough because you know, like a million dollars for everybody else, like that's a lot of money. Like, you could buy your parents a lot of good stuff, but you know, a hundred thousand dollars for yourself, you can get stuff for yourself, but you could also
0: get stuff for other people. So,
3: only like, on yourself,
0: R- Randy, just go ahead and tell them how the three of us roll. What are we doing?
3: Uh, I'm taking in if it was one dollar for myself <laughs> or a million for these guys, <laughs> I'm worried about numero uno.
2: <laughs> no, I think I'd go with a hundred grand. I think I'd go with a hundred grand.
0: Ah, it's a good choice.
1: Nine hundred grand, man.
0: Yeah, I had to I it, the original question, and when I found it on the this or that list, was only a thousand dollars. And it's and I got at, and I asked it. It was too easy. And I was like, nobody's going to take a thousand dollars. We got to make it a hundred thousand to make this thing interesting. Oh yeah, a million. If it was a thousand, I definitely would have picked a million dollars for somebody else. Randy, like I said, Randy still would have took the thousand for himself. For sure.
3: <laughs> One dollar.
0: <laughs> All right, Roman, man. That's that's it,
1: man. It awesome. Pretty, pretty easy, right?
2: Yeah, that was fun. I had a blast.
1: Well, before you bounce, man, anything you want to plug or promote? I know you got – you're the creator, man. What?
2: Yeah, just check out the YouTube channel, weekly vlogs, doing some summer stuff down here in Carolina and rehabbing and stuff. So – if you're watching, be sure to check that out. It's it's a blast and uh, lots of lots of cool stuff going on over there, so be sure to check it out.
3: Wait, before you go, like, what's your most viewed YouTube video? Like, how many views are we talking? Ooh,
2: um, I think it was a video I posted in the fall. It was just, like, a day in the life of a South Carolina baseball player, you know, like. I that's just,
3: like when you get up and brush your teeth and stuff?
2: No, no. <laughs> Come on, I man. Like, yeah. that's a day in the uh, life. Is, is it a Peyton yay uh, jumps that's... out of bed in his uniform video? Yeah, see, Yeah, <laughs> like, you jump, like. But like people like getting out of bed, like like you you got up already and set the camera up. Like that ain't real.
0: You know what I just realized, no? Randy?
2: How much of this a hit old,
0: how much of a hit did Ole Miss TikTok just take? They lost their their or uh TikTok sensation to TCU. TCU's fixing to be on the map on TikTok. <laughs> they are.
1: Well, you got YouTube. You want to see a day in the life of Roman Kimball go to YouTube check them out got plenty of content out there for you, if you want to check them out on IG R Kimball oh two or. starting this fall and definitely this spring, you need to go on over to Gamecock baseball on instagram and you'll be able to stay up to date with the Gamecocks you'll be able to see our boy Roman doing his thing and the rest of the Gamecock crew. Roman, we appreciate your time, man. If there's anything we can do for you along the way, let us know. And as always, best of luck moving forward. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you all having me on, and I had a blast. And uh,
2: roll Cox, baby.
1: There you go. That's Roman Kimball, everybody. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got to talk MLB draft. we got to talk transfer portals, baseball transfer portals, basketball transfer portals, everything. We'll
0: be back. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter.
1: Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you leading off. MLB draft. Uh, A lot of things have happened, but none bigger than the MLB draft. Our guests, our guys, our dudes that we follow all getting to see and hear their name called is is just exciting for us, but a a huge deal for them. But Jim, I'll, I'll start with you, man. Obviously, you know the stats. How many of our guys got drafted?
0: 22 and we've had two free agent signings
1: so when you look at that and you look at the draft as a whole um kind of give me a quick summary of of your thought on winners losers and of our guys who you think really like is going to be the guy the first guy
0: well, just on the winner's part, I think we talked about it. My answer would have been the, the same had the question been posed to me. Um, the Reds, um, you know, obviously Rhett Louder was our guy, but Ty Floyd and Hunter Holland, with those being your first three picks, I mean, I really think the Reds absolutely won the draft. And, you know, I mentioned, obviously, our team wasn't taking pictures, and I just didn't – I didn't understand it, and I don't know why, but I thought they were the clear winners. Um, I think, you know – um the the pirates couldn't have gone wrong with with Paul Skeens I got to ask Randy a question because I had to double check and look at this okay so the the pirates didn't want crews because of the the slot value and what the agent was you know demanding so Skeens got signed for 9 uh 9721,000 as of right now, it has Dylan Cruz's valued at 8988000 So how is that even so?
3: I don't know. I don't think that the slot value was the re- – I think the biggest thing – like you mentioned the agent. I think Scott Boris and the Pirates just have such a sour relationship that the negotiations were sour, and they probably – and he might have. They probably thought it just – they weren't ever going to get him signed at the right value and then – and then you got a whole situation with the guy you just drafted, and you got $9 million in cap tied up now. That Does he even play?
0: Yeah. And and here was the thing like, when I was predicting Skeen's first pick on Twitter, um, people were like, How do you know? And I know because of the reason why you would know, Randy. Vegas had him as a clear odds on favorite. And when Vegas has oh, yeah. something like that, they know already. And, and that's usually what happens. Wait, let me ask you a question.
1: Do you think in the MLB – and this can go for minor leagues all the way up to uh, the big league – do you think there are more guys like Dylan Cruz or more guys like Paul Skeens?
3: There's more guys like Dylan Cruz. Yeah.
1: See, I thought the same agree. thing, but then I think about how many pitchers you have to have on a staff.
3: I mean – you're right. And and if you look at the history and what a lot of people were saying is that there are so many more arms than position players. Austin Rowley said the same thing. I think at the end of the day you, it's something that if you're a baseball fan, you hear a lot. It's the stuff, man. Just the stuff. The intangibles. That's what you saw from Paul Skeens. The 102 is cool but there are a thousand guys that can do that. It's not the 102. It's the hey, movement.
1: I think triple digits is just now it's it's, it's the same. It's great, like cool. All right, you, you hit you hit a hundred, but I don't think anymore. I'll take a guy that gets outs at ninety-six, ninety-eight than a guy well, that can consistently hit 100.
0: Well, the guys who have the wipeout slider are, are money, period. And and that's what he has. And Skeens is probably I, – I kept – you know, they're, they're not the same pitcher, but we – I think we all collectively – he reminded me of Ben Joyce in the sense of not the 105 deal, but a guy who was going to pitch – who's going to pitch some minor league they'll, they'll bring along, and then he'll already be ready to move up. And so I, I think that's what you get in a guy with that. But you don't go wrong – um, with either of them. I never thought Max Clark would go before Dylan Cruz. I mean, Dylan Cruz is just proven. And that was something. Um, if you want a stat, I don't know if you saw it, um, Daniel. Five of the top ten were guys who were in Omaha playing. So, so very proven commodities.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Randy, your your perspective of the draft is it um whether it's Dylan Cruz or Paul Skeens or, you know, whoever insert name in the top five probably doesn't matter, but you damn sure hope that if, if you're paying the guy, that's your guy. And, and I don't think any of the teams that drafted there, Pittsburgh um, especially, I don't think they can afford to not have this pan out.
3: No, I agree. I think the difference in, in baseball is it's just such a long just much like the game of baseball. It's more of a long play. Like if you see a guy get drafted in the NBA number one, he's playing immediately, right? Big minutes probably starting. Same thing in in football, really. If they get drafted in that top five, they're playing immediately. We might not see Paul Skeens for two or three years, and that that's if things go well. Now, could we see him next year like we did Zach? Maybe. Maybe we are Ben Joyce, not Zach Joyce. Sorry. But what i'm saying is it's just a long play so i think the draft loses a lot of people that aren't that casuals as we call them um because it's just it's a long play man i think that having it all star weekend is kind of a cool little thing that they do but the biggest story of the weekend for me was how flustered rob manfred got when he was announcing it and they were booing that guy like crazy
1: yeah it's it's funny
0: um but I think it's something he, that- he don't get Goodell Goodell's uh booing. That's that's the sure. key.
3: I don't think Roger Goodell actually cares though. Like yeah I, no, he he does
0: not He makes so much money, he does not yeah, he's like rep. He's like, okay. I, 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 I wanted all. to give you props on something, Randy, and I was texting y'all about it in real time. Um, but going all the way back to early in the season, like beginning of the baseball season, after Tennessee had played uh grand canyon and we were talking we were having a conversation about jacob wilson on the show and you were saying that he would be the first shortstop off the board to you and then when we started talking draft stuff the three of us it was unreal that they had on the board three high school shortstops ahead of wilson and gonzalez and it's just like no way and that night i was like i i have to see it to believe it and so to see jacob wilson come off the board at six be the first first uh shortstop that's the right pick
3: stud man the guy's a stud i do think jacob gonzalez is probably the best all around shortstop, but well, man, he's so good. And plus you got that legacy, that name, like his dad knows how to do it, did it a long, long, long time. So having a guy that you can call at any time to walk you through what it's like to get to the big leagues and stay there for what he plays 17, 18 years. I mean, that's, that's a long time, fellas. So that's let me a ask, resource that most don't
0: have. Let me ask you this question, Randy, cause you weren't here when me and Daniel discussed it. Um, you know, Vandy resident Vandy hater, um, he says he believes that Enrique Bradfield Jr. has a pro career ahead of him. Do you believe that? DB said that? Mm-hmm. He said speed kills.
3: Yeah, but uh, true. So his defense is absolutely elite, like probably the second best center fielder in baseball behind Dylan Cruz. But if you can't hit, you can't play.
0: Daniel thinks that he could be taught just enough with he's not he's
3: been done. at Vanderbilt just a couple of years. <laughs>
0: I mean, that dude's been there a long time.
3: You, I mean, are we saying they're not developing hitters?
1: Uh, What's the best Vanderbilt hitter in the past five seasons?
0: Dominic Keegan. I, I have no idea. I don't See, know just said develop.
1: him. I mean, that, that's kind of my point. Like, do they develop hitters? I'm sure they do to an extent.
3: Okay, so to your point, to your point, they there's a shortstop that plays for the Chicago Cubs, he used to play for the uh, Atlanta Braves, got drafted like number one pick. But in college at Vanderbilt, he could not hit. And now he's one of the best, if not the best shortstop in the major league. So, to, I, yeah, I do, I do think Enrique has a really good shot at doing it. But I think that uh, it's – I don't think it's going to be quick. I think it's going to be – three, four years down the line.
1: But I, I think part of my my basis for that answer was how many things does he have that he's not going to have to get better at at the next level? Oh, he a, tracks um, the
3: ball as good as like anybody.
1: If hitting is the one thing that you got to focus on and everything else is really good, like, I think you're in pretty good shape because they can teach you how to take pitches. They can teach you how to, you know, just – the metrics alone can give you a leg up, but yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to him. It's going to come down to the coaching and what he puts into it.
0: Well, while so we're giving, you're prop, saying
3: Tim Corbin's not
1: a good hitting coach. Is what? Yeah, I'm so.
0: Oh, hot I take, hot take. No, while while I'm giving props, I no, I I,
1: I don't I don't know that. But what I am saying is that if we can't clearly define. A couple good hitters over the past five years for Vanderbilt, then he's, well, he's not I, in the I country.
0: named one. He named. actually he's actually on the same roster with with Cameron James and Jalen Battles, but y'all weren't listening. But no, I got I gotta swing the props to your way, Daniel. I gave Randy his. I gotta give you even bigger ones because you we did a we did a projection on some of these guys that are our guests. Which, by the way, can we just – at least we got three guys to the Cardinals that are guests, but I feel like every guest went to the NL Central for real. Like, we're going to have to actively, if they make it up, we're going to have to root against them. But um you – if we talk about receipts, people can run back the episode. Daniel picked Brock Wilkin at 18. I said 21. Congratulations, Daniel, 18 to the Milwaukee Brewers. We didn't even look at who had the picks, Randy. We just were going strictly number, and he nailed it. You're welcome, by the way. <laughs> well, I don't like that he went to the Brewers, Daniel. If he goes 19, he goes to the Rays, my guy. I
1: I agree. I mean, the Rays picked up a shortstop.
0: How do you feel about the Cardinals picking up Chase Davis, the outfitter from Arizona, with all those pitchers on the board that we know are amazing. I, do we can
1: we just just not even talk about Cardinal baseball?
0: They won that a was, game when we watched it together. It was the first one they had won in like two weeks, but yeah, they, but they had also lost four straight prior to that.
3: <laughs> but now they're <laughs> on a winning streak, guys. We gotta think positively. We're on a winning streak.
0: Let's go. What, what where are we at? Like five? What, uh, they, are at?
3: they they won again tonight.
0: There we go. Wow. Let's go.
3: And then John Mazelak came out today and said they will be
0: making moves at the deadline. <laughs> I bet they will, but Be- before I mean, you cut, you don't have a choice. Yeah. I hope the move
3: is firing your ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> before you cut this loose, though, Daniel, I think we should all say what uh, I don't know. Like, our, what's what's your favorite pick that happened of our guests?
1: Uh, Ty Floyd, first round, hundred percent. That's uh, I like that. I think, and we talked about it earlier with Roman. I think he is probably the best. Shot of, of having, being the first guy called up. I I really do believe
3: that. that I really do think that. If he doesn't, command can be taught, like, like Roman said. I mean, he has the stuff that when he's on, I mean, we saw it in Omaha. My God, that guy is special.
1: Uh, You also think about guys like Paul Skeens, obviously, but then you, you look at the other side of that, the game that, you know, we, we, we watch with Rhett Louder and those dudes were battling back and forth pitch for pitch like a guy like Rhett Louder is another guy I'd like to see like what what's he gonna do
0: right for for me it's it's got to be Trey Morgan right because he fits everything that the Rays do when you talk about a match made in heaven um, and the way that the Rays organization is. And then the idea that, obviously, you don't know how things are pan out, but you, you look at, like, a guy like Jalen Battles, for instance, obviously we know Cam, but, like, the the guys that they got in this infield that are young defensively are ridiculous.
3: Yeah, for me, my favorite, it was two picks, and it was both from Tennessee because I'm biased, both going to the same team, and Chase Dolander and Seth Towerson both guests of the show. Um, Chase going in the top ten, even though he didn't have a great year that dude's still the guy, still SEC pitcher of the year last year, still has the stuff, dealt with some things this year, some chemistry issues, whatever it was. Obviously, there were some things going on. Um, but those two getting to go together and to Jordan Beck already be in there, it's not a pitcher friendly part once you get to the major <laughs> leagues, but. I mean, that team needs pitching in a major way, and they got two dogs that are going to work. I mean, look, we saw it this year. When Seth Halverson came out of that pen, he was money more often than
0: not. I mean, And we remember what his original draft stock was before he oh, got hurt when he came to Tennessee. He so would have know.
3: been right there with Chase Dolander.
0: Yeah, but I didn't know we were going to do homer picks because, I mean, I would have said Braden Jobert. My favorite player went to my favorite team, but, I mean, I was trying not to just, like, go the, the homer pick, but you went that way. You know Daniels has got to be Will Sanders to the Cubs. The Cubs. Sorry, Will. <laughs> Sorry, Will. <laughs> you just cut Will loose.
1: Uh huh. Um, you know, we'll we'll move on. We'll we'll talk transfer portal. We'll, we'll talk- wait, wait.
3: Before you do that, something's even cooler. We we kind of mentioned their name earlier. Zach Joyce getting drafted to the same team that his brother is on. That's pretty legit. Uh, that and is of course good. his brother's in like AAA and he's
1: rocked right, man. But either way,
3: you'll see him at spring training.
1: Yes, they might. They might get to play together. We'll see. Uh, moving on transfer portal, uh, baseball, Tennessee, Randy, sad, sad note for you. I was looking up some just draft things of teams and grades and just looking at this past draft, but I also came across an article that talked about next year's draft and I had to do a double take it listed chase Burns as one of the top draft picks and it said wake forest. And I had to read it twice. But yeah, uh, the the transfer portal is is well alive. So I'll, I'll give you a chance to talk about just Tennessee in general and, and and who they're getting, who they're who they're losing, but also who they're gaining. Uh,
3: you know, obviously the big one is Chase Burns, and you know, multi-time guest of the show. I am a Chase Burns fan. I know we all are here. Uh, regardless, I wish the kid nothing but the best. I mean, you know, you're. Your happiness has got to be your number one priority. And if he's going to be happier there, he's going to a really good squad, a really good coaching staff, the pitching uh, academy or whatever the, the lab that they call it. So that's a huge loss. And for all the Tennessee fans that are like, oh, man, we ain't going to miss him. Yes, you will. <laughs> you will miss
0: a dude. Uh, my favorite where the people who were saying when, when you know, I started saying he was going to come back to Tennessee, the, the people who were telling me they didn't want him, I was like, you're an idiot. Well, those people are silly.
3: But just to, just to kind of go over a couple of the names, right, Jacob Bimby uh, transferring out, uh, Jake Fitzgibbons, these are both pitchers, Hollis Fanning, another pitcher, Burns, Logan Chambers, a utility player. Those are guys that are leaving, right? Um, Austin Jazlov, who I thought actually might be the starting shortstop next year. He's transferring out as well. But to talk about what they got coming in, I think it was a huge offseason. Uh, Tony Vitello has absolutely done phenomenal in the portal every year since he's been here. Getting Dalton Bargo over from Missouri, a catcher, you probably need a little catcher help. Billy Amick was the huge get. Obviously, Ryan Galaney was also a huge get. He gets drafted a little a little higher than maybe he thought he was and goes ahead and signs. Wish him nothing but the best. Billy Amick's going to highlight that, though. Nate Sneed coming in. That guy's going to be really good. Wichita State pitcher from last year, stud on the mound. Cameron Peebles, NC State, all-ACC freshman catcher coming in. They're not – they are going to miss Chase Burns. Don't miss what I'm saying. But this team is going to be just fine. Their, their lineup is getting better. You obviously bring back guys like Simo, Blake Berg, um, all, all those guys, obviously. But, look, man, Vitello knows what he's doing, baby. He's talked about it. He said, we knew Chase was going to leave. We wish him nothing but the best. But the ship doesn't stop sailing. That team's going to be back next year just as good as they were. Maybe better.
1: Yep. I was going to say, if not better. Jim, LSU, what's the – they are the kings of the portal. What's what's happening the, down in in Baton Rouge?
0: They're still the kings of the portal. the The interesting thing is, I need a I need a flight itinerary. There's there's a guy by the name of Luke Holman who's exiting Knoxville for Baton Rouge right now. He he went and did a little you know a little tour. got Got to hang out with Tony V. But that was just for fun. He's fixing to go down to Baton Rouge where the deal will be closed. But he's not announced yet, so I'll move on. But Randy knows that Luke Holman's coming to LSU Not Tennessee. Let's
3: just know. I got some inside info. Same guy that told me about Chase Burns. Luke Holman ball.
0: You, you told me that he told you Chase Burns wasn't going anywhere. So if this is the same guy No, I, I did not. Him. I did not say that. I said the heat was on. Him and Vitello did sit down and have a
3: conversation. Oh, you're talking
0: about the err you're talking about the when you told me when no, you original thing but you yeah. also came back around later and said you had intel that I, he was staying, so I don't wanna hear it. Anyways.
1: I think Wake Forest happened at the 25th hour, man. Like that, I don't and, know anybody who was like,
0: "Oh, yeah, I
1: knew that was going to happen."
0: And before, and before I get it to LSU, just to to make a quick Wake Forest note, when I did those preseason two early predictions for Omaha, I had Wake there. Well, now you can go ahead and just lock it up for real. Um but that anyway. team lost a lot, though.
3: No team got gutted in the draft like they did. But their weekend rotation is nasty. That's not what I'm worried about. They ain't gonna have them it. They
0: still got Nick Kurtz.
3: Still got. I Nick know, Kurtz. and they, dude, what they had nine dudes dropping bombs. Look, here's a, this, this is
0: this is why I feel confident they're gonna be good. I ch- I tried to do a little tampering. I messaged old Kurtz. I think I may even screenshot it, so y'all. I said, look, man, you know all these dudes just left. Why don't you just come on down to LSU? He said, We're gonna be just fine. Anyway, if he's saying that he don't want to come to LSU, they clearly gonna be just fine. But, anyways, no, we got Mac Bingham, man, um, outfielder. Um, so like I kind of already had this mindset, uh Joe Bear was gonna come back. Obviously, he left. That's cool because Bingham's gonna come in. It should be, it should be him, Pearson, and Kling out there in the outfield. The big one, um, Gage Jump, left hander from UCLA pitcher. Um He's he's going to be good. Uh, Kay Woods, right-handed pitcher from uh, Bama. Justin Lower, left-handed pitcher for Xavier. So, just pitchers, 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 pitchers. Then we got Braswell, the shortstop um, from South Carolina. You're very familiar, Daniel. Um, it'll be interesting because I was just hanging out this weekend with, obviously, Gavin Guidry, who feels like shortstop is going to be his. So, that will be one hell of a competition to watch in the fall.
1: Oh. Michael can play second base if needed to.
0: I'm pretty sure the same would go for it, because both those spots are open. So whoever doesn't win the shortstop battle probably sits over there in a second.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he played second base at South Carolina. He can do it for sure. Well, all-star weekend, guys. Um, Home run derby. Um, It was a battle of who did not get tired as fast. the game itself nationally finally wins one
3: nine years
1: how about that I mean, it's been a little bit been a little bit um but jim you you talked about it in the home run derby as far as you know the new version versus the old version what did you think about this year's derby um obviously the winner you know um as pretty much projected i mean i think randy you 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 picked it um, when we were talking about it, you know. Vlad goes up there and just crushes balls like he just mashes balls. Um, it's I think, a big dude,
0: man. But I feel like I feel like I mean Rodriguez really did a Josh Hamilton. I think he went too hard. And if you look at Vlad, like he didn't really go hard in his first round. As a matter of fact, it was it was pretty pedestrian, and it helped that Mookie Betts was a no show. Um, but, yeah, he was just up there taking his regular swings. He wasn't – but it was worth it for me, even though I was wrong about Gonzalez winning the whole thing. That first-round show that he put just in general, but to also put it in his home ballpark, we were talking about the BP pitcher. That that might be the most underrated part of Gonzalez's session. I, I literally was, like, rewinding back. Every pitch, Daniel, was in the exact same location, especially in that part where he hit, like, nine in a row like when you got when you've got a hot bat like that and you're you're dialed in and then your BP pitcher's putting it right on that spot Jesus yeah that's I mean that's
1: what it comes down to and I think the difference now and the old format is they wanted to take the emphasis off of the pitcher
0: mm-hmm. because
1: the pitcher does matter in a situation like this where if you got 10 outs and the pitcher's not putting it in the spot that you need them to put, because it is a competition, like it's not about like who can get on base or who can hit doubles or who can hit it and gap to gap. It's who can hit it over the fence. So like positioning of the ball matters.
0: Well, and here was, here was the one argument, because I, I actually love the new format, but here was the one argument that I thought was legit. So like, you know, the, you get the extra time for the 440 plus, right. Or whatever. The thing is you don't actually get to see those. And that was their point because, and and we just talked about with Roman, they're already swinging again. So when they hit these massive bombs, you don't even get to see it, but you do get to see the swing of the bat, which like I said, when these guys are in a groove, it's really cool. Yeah. It's,
1: it, it sucks to me because you just keep looking and you, they, they swing and they hit the ball. And just the camera angle alone doesn't allow you to tell whether, unless they track the ball whether the ball's out and then you just watch the number increase and you're like, man, that was out of there. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of, of the production of it. I think I don't know how it could be better unless they slow it down and you visually see the balls leave the yard, but the 440 bonus, I couldn't tell you where four, four, like, right. Like, what, where was 440? Like, there was, but, some- but
0: Randy, we have to be in agreement, right? Like, the the home run derby is still way more fun to watch than the dunk contest at this point, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so, just naturally. But I, don't, I mean, I, you know, I want to see like it track it like it, like they do on when you see a replay of a home run ball. Like, I want a live track of that thing. I want to know everything about it instantaneously. I
1: want to know mean, why it's 2023. Like, why are we using regular baseballs like give everybody like a camera on these baseballs let's see this thing gets
0: I like I like that let them I like when they said let these boys use aluminum bats <laughs> or put, oh, uh, man. you put might see a 600
3: of, foot home run
0: put some type of chip in these things and
1: like let's determine the distance for real and like ah shit I don't know
3: there's no way they don't have that. You have that at top golf all across the country. You
1: would think like I like how else are they determining the distance in these like because to me it's like well it, it went to the third or fourth row of left field I think that's <laughs>
0: 380 I don't know. And and so I uh, I brought up that question earlier uh, in regards to or not uh, I didn't make it as a question but the Cape look. So another one of those I know we're talking MLB but I didn't even know they did a Cape like uh, home run derby, but as soon as I saw Hunter Hines' name on the list, who has nine right now during the summer, and I and I seen all my LSU brethren saying, Oh, Bear Jones got this in the bag. I'm like, Yeah, no, he doesn't. I said, Hunter Hines hates baseballs. Yeah,
3: he's he, I saw him put some way, way out of Lindsey Nelson.
0: So, yeah, I think
1: you know, all in all, um, I do like the home run derby, I like it better than the dunk contest. I think the the they person definitely like it better than
0: the pro bowl <laughs> sure. that's the worst. that's the worst um,
1: i think the person that wins it is someone who's earned it um you know as opposed to like the dunk contest being a very subjective where you're doing the same stupid dunks and it's guys that you don't really care to see dunk um but definitely some changes could be made to to make it better um But the game, the game is the game. I I just, you know, glad to see the NL1 um, needed to win, shake things up a little bit. But as far as being entertaining and and holding my attention for a full nine, doesn't do that anymore. Um, I'll tune in for a few innings, flip it back, you know, watch another inning here or there, and then kind of just. I just like
0: that it's meaningful in general because the other games aren't in the other sports. Speaking
3: of in off the bench guests, though, Austin Riley had some gems, man. He played defensively. He had some really, well. really nice plays.
0: Oh. Good. Yeah, the, uh, the yeah, the double play that he threw from the knee was yeah. one I really the, they, the they bare both hand. were awesome. But yeah. Bear, the bare hand. That was that's
3: the
1: business.
0: And for it to remember, be Matt Olson, this, that's nice. this and remember, this is a guy that not even just the pitching thing in high school. Remember, like they were trying him out in left field, kind of shift him in third and you know, and he struggled there early. And then, you know, and then obviously he ends up first team, all MLB out of that. And then you see these web gyms and it's like, just to see the growth that he's had at third base, I get it. He's, he's a pro guy with skills. Ron he, Washington. Yeah, exactly.
3: Every single one of his infielders is an all-star. I mean, like it's, I mean, come on, man. That guy's amazing.
0: What a guy. Before, before we go. transition to the, to, to give you your moment, Daniel, um i will ask Randy cuz he hadn't been able to talk to us much we were talking about the Braves and the Rays um you know and it just so happened we me and Daniel didn't get to go but they uh they played uh when I was there um obviously the the Braves uh took Braves Yeah like uh i mean are they the obviously the record says it but to you like you know obviously some teams are struggling but you know what they got like maybe like a a Houston type deal but like I mean do you feel like Atlanta is the clear-cut favorite
3: oh yeah I do right now I do I I am a little bit worried about the fact that they keep having pitching injuries they seem to just keep it rolling but I think eventually with that comes to bear some you know it comes to uh to head eventually but if they can get those guys healthy by the time September rolls around, I mean, I think they're going to be the clear, clear favorite.
1: Y'all don't count out them Rays. Don't do it.
3: Man, The
0: Rays, look, the Rays are going to lose to the Astros. You know, they'll, The Rays out.
3: will get there and then, like, be pitching a no-hitter, and then they'll pull their guy. You know what I mean? It's just like, we've seen this movie. That's, that's what
0: cool. we do. <laughs> that's,
1: that's it. All right. That's a good – Let's let's leave that. Let's let's talk Memphis basketball. Um, obviously,
3: they got a guy older than every Tampa Bay Ray player.
1: Their their average age is higher than the Grizzlies right now. If everyone that we think is coming comes, that's pretty. Well, I guess does does it even matter? Should should that be like? Should you be embarrassed by that?
3: No, but they will talk about it. Just like last year, every single game you watch, DeAndre Williams will be the story. It'll happen again because now he's turning 40. And he's, you know, I mean.
0: but 18th year.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't ever want to hear, just like I told you in a text, don't ever, 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 ever Memphis Tiger basketball fans say a word about Drew Timmy again. Don't ever.
1: No. I mean, the dude does get some calls, though. I will say that. But. I mean you're looking at javon quinterly you got jordan brown you got potentially deandre williams you got uh david jones you got jalen young you got Tailfer leonard you got and and just to be clear
0: bills you know for the people I mean, who, who thought it was a down year for penny this is the number three ranked transfer class in the entire country
1: yeah, I mean you're looking at guys like Nick Jordan from Temple that potentially could have a huge upside. Like these guys are all transferring over. And I will say that what what I what I'm happy about is that to me, if this comes to fruition, this is the best offseason coaching job Penny has done. I think it's probably arguably It's not arguably – it is his best roster that he would have put together. But I think it has potential, and I don't – I can't say this for certain, but it has potential to be one of the best teams that they've ever had. Well, I
0: think so because people's argument would be, well, they're new to each other, so chemistry issues. But you're talking about veteran guys, and so – and they're coming here with a purpose. I feel like they would figure out ways to, uh, you know – get that chemistry accommodate how each other's style play is work work together well it's not like you got arrogant young freshmen that you're like trying to put together
1: yeah i think the one thing that it concerns me is they're not all on campus yet um and i don't think they're going to be on campus by august 1st i think you got a couple guys that are pending graduation before they're eligible to transfer um that in and of itself is they've got to take care of business, but also you've got DeAndre Williams pending in the air. And I think despite whether he's able to come back or not, I still think they're going to be a really good team. But him being on the team, and this is kind of touching to your point, Jim, is that having a guy like him on the team I think helps that mesh of those players a lot faster. Um but well, yeah,
3: uh, their dad's age,
1: yeah. I mean, he, they, they, they just listen to him, they're like, Okay, all right, yeah. all right, aunt. whatever you say, sir. But
3: I gotta ask you though, I mean, because it's still speaking of up in the air, the prize possession of the freshman recruiting class is a guy that's dealing with some legal issues. I mean, it's all out in the public. I mean, that's, you know, aggravated assault, Mikey Williams, all that whole thing going down. He's still posting things about the Tigers like he's still coming. Penny really hasn't said a lot about it. The court case got delayed, right? It's postponed. I mean, do we see Mikey Williams suit up for the Tigers?
1: No. No, I think in a couple weeks that's going to become a very easy – decision and it's not going to take anybody by surprise i don't think he's ever going to suit up for the tigers and to be honest the last thing that he should be worried about is suiting up for the tigers
3: do you think mikey williams plays college basketball at all
0: who's going <laughs> to touch that if it, if it, penny it, does it. say hey we i don't do think that. i don't think he does
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a place for him to play basketball. I don't think it's college basketball. If this goes down the way that everyone thinks it might go down. Um, but even still, he's not that great of a player. In my opinion, when you look at the roster, he's not, he's, he's not any better than any of those guys that we're bringing in. And to be honest, like I, he's got a lot of followers and he's got this and that, but As far as basketball skills, like we had guys on the team last year that were better than him. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think it matters whether he's there or not. I do think you have more opportunity if he is there to have more distraction. And I would personally rather just eliminate that off the rip and just go, we're not, we don't need you. We're not even going to deal with it. Thanks, but no thanks. Agree, but I'll ask you, Randy. Obviously, you you got love for the Tigers. You got love for the city. Is this something that is a? I don't want to say like it's not. If if this doesn't go well, Penny's not going to get fired. But as far as the city goes, is this going to be a make or break like situation? If this doesn't go the way that it needs to go
3: uh I think that they're you know yes to be just perfectly honest because Penny's been here a while now and look Penny was my idol just like he was all three of our idols growing up but at some point you have to actually produce these big wins and you know they've been right there they've made good showings but it's if you're at Memphis, you're not, I mean, yes, you're an underdog. It's us against the world. It's all that. You're not going to compete with Gonzaga. You're going to smash their heads in. You're not going to make a good showing and we won a game. We got to the second round. No, you're going for Elite Eights. You're going for Final Fours. You're, you know, all this is not a settle kind of, and I know that's not Penny. Look, his goal is to win a national championship. I get all that but eventually you have to start getting further and, further and further and further and further and further. And you said he wouldn't get fired. And I agree with you, but you will have more fans calling for Penny to be fired. If this does not go well than ever before.
1: True. I agree with that. Jim, where do you stand with all this?
0: Uh, I, f- I mean, I feel like Penny, like you said, he's done, or we or we talked about, he, he may have done his best job of getting together um, I think he's done more than enough to make this this a team that competes, and I don't think they're going to do terrible. And I think even if they did, I think he keeps it intriguing enough. And then we always talk about his name value. I don't I don't think it's going to be a, a problem. But we also we know the conference is fixing to be down right with the like. There's no reason like I, I can't I just for, can't foresee him not taking this conference now. Well, and.
1: That would be a disaster if he didn't. But here's the reality: they have to, they have to take the conference. They have to win. They're do you think?
0: Do you think we're now? Do you think we're now a one bid league to whoever? Oh, yeah. Unless somebody obviously, unless FAU
1: tournament. has this crazy thirty and three season, and if they do, they're Memphis ain't going to win conference tournament or the conference, anyways.
0: Brady, is it so but, bad that if if the if somebody stole it in the in the conference tournament, that like the conference champ may not make it.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, and and I forgot about FAU joining that. That it might be a two bid league, but I mean, which is what they've really been. But the league is down, man. They're really down. Penny, he has to put basketball back as the forefront of what this <laughs> school has to offer. And I know it's football first, and that's all fine and great. Basketball is what this city. Basketball is what this school. Basketball is what. Pen, I mean that this that's it. That's how you get somewhere. And Penny is a brand. There's no other college head coach has got their own signature shoe that's still selling by the millions. I can't even cop a pair because they're like a thousand dollars, bro. Penny, hook me up, dog. I'm talking good about you. Yeah. Uh, you know, just blue phone pods is no big deal. Tiger, blue, black. All right. Anyway, so. <laughs> This is what's got to get him there, man. You're playing in a, in a first-class arena. You got all of these, and I mean, the story is always Penny, right? And sometimes it's not always positive, but the dude is out here working. Let's not forget, everybody that ever listens to this show, Penny does not have to do this. Penny's doing this because he loves this university, loves this city. Just keep that in mind when everybody wants him fired. He don't got to do this. He never had to take this job. He
0: took this job at $1.1
3: You know what that is to him? That's like... Come a couple on, shoes. That's a yeah. couple shoes, bro.
0: But but I don't think I've ever, like anybody I actually know, have ever had Penny on the hot seat. Like, I just – you, it's kind of like, you know, we do the word casual when we're talking about baseball. It's usually like just the casual fans who, I don't know, they're mad because they're not seeing Memphis make a deep run in the tournament. But, like, most people, especially just like Daniel, who who watch every game of a fan, just happy to see this team be relevant. Yeah, I mean, but I will say
1: this. I think every year, Penny does a really good job of prior to the year starting, generating buzz about the team. And I think that's always been the case. Um, the problem is, is as the season starts, does the buzz get stronger or does the buzz die out? And last year, the buzz kind of stayed I don't think it got stronger. I think it just kind of stayed pretty consistent just because you had guys that you could rally behind and guys that had been on the team before and just an overall better team. But this is the year that's, to me, a telling year as far as winning and losing, because you got to win non-conference games. You got to win your conference, because if you don't, you're going to be relegated to an eight, nine seed and turn around and have to play a number one if you win. And never are you going to have the draw that you had last year where you could potentially if you win your first game play a 16 seed. that's probably not ever going to be in the cards in our lifetime for these guys again so with that being said, you got to be prepared. um, To win more games and even if you do win more games that doesn't guarantee you're going to be out of the woods, you still might be a seven seed taken on a 10 or a five taken on a 12 like. You know how that works. That's a that's a coin flip.
3: And that's not going to get easier, though. You're talking about coming from that conference. Let's say that Memphis does win 30 games. They're probably still going to be in that 6-8. I mean, let's just being real.
1: And, and, unless they're pre-ranked high and, you know, if they're pre-ranked in the top 20 and then they're able to just keep winning and they slowly make their way up, then maybe they get, you know, in the first 16 teams.
3: The margin of error for the Memphis Tigers is going to be so slim, though. It's like back when everybody left when that and John Calipari was here. When you get a chance on the big stage, you don't just win games. You smash teams. That's how he did it, right? You, you, losing three to four games a year, it, you can do that. But when you get a chance to play a Gonzaga or, a, or Tennessee or whoever, Kansas, whoever it is, you got to make a showing on a national stage. They, he's got to go take respect because right now, and I do feel like the national narrative on Penny is not fair to Penny. It's not. Who's coming down here and spending time with Penny and actually realizing what he's doing? No, they're not. They see a dude wearing his own shoe, wearing Gucci belts. He's from Memphis, and he doesn't get the same respect. Let's call it what it is.
1: Yeah, and, and you'll see that if, if they're pre-ranked in the top 20 and they win games by a close margin – they'll they'll drop agreed. just because they're not doing exactly what you said going out and just smashing teams. So agreed. I think you got to have that mindset going in. You got to have that, that aggression, that, that just mentality, like we're going to go out there and we're going to put our foot on these guys throats and we're going to end this. Like this, is, this isn't even going to be a game. We're going to show them, they don't even belong in the court with us. Um, but guys, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Obviously, you know, Espies. I didn't really get a chance to watch too much of the Espies kind of flipping through. Jim, Randy, I don't know. Did you guys take a look at that?
0: Um, I didn't I didn't get to watch it. I just looked at the list of winners. Um in the first award right off the, the bat, I don't agree with. So kind of glad I didn't. Um I would have game best team Espy to the Denver Nuggets. Um, I understand they're not flashy, but the way they dominated the season from the very start to the very finish. Um, I felt like was worthy of best team. Am I wrong, Randy?
3: Well, I don't think you're wrong. That's a good pick. But I think if you're going to go best team on dominance is Oklahoma University women's softball team. You talk about dominance. That team dominated.
0: They lost one game all year. Yeah, no. I mean, did they get the? Did they get it last year? I don't know. I, I think I, for whatever reason, I could be wrong. I feel like they got it last year, and I may – May have played a role into it because they they went undefeated and won it all last year, didn't they?
3: Uh, they lost a game. They lost a cut. They lost three games last year. One game this year. But let's let's be honest, guys. Let's let's be real. Let's level here. Why, why are we still doing the ESPYS, man? Like, is, like is this like a major thing? I know they get everybody to come. Well, I'm you like, know, you
1: we know really everybody, everybody know what, comes, but also like they did it at the best time.
0: Right. There's nothing going okay, on. Okay. And that's what they usually do. But I think where they lost me. All right. There's a certain there's, there's a certain athlete of ours. It's a guest of a show that's a friend of ours. So I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna mention it. But there was a certain somebody who's getting a lot of airtime that I just don't think deserves a lot of airtime. And that right there was enough for me to not want to watch it.
3: You gotta bring you gotta bring eyes to it, man. It brings eyes. You, that's can't what have, sells. you
0: can't not even have look, I, I text Daniel. The two best athletes in that sport weren't even invited to that event but that person was there getting screen time. That's a problem for me.
3: I agree. But again, it's about eyeballs and that's what they need. Cause if you look at their ratings, it's
0: not that great. Well, they didn't have, they didn't have my eyeballs. Hey, I gotta, I gotta tell y'all something right here on, on the episode. Cause it just came through literally. It's, it's from a, it's a, from a lady named Mary. She said, Hey, I wanted to reach out and say, thank you. Over the last year, I started listening to the podcast uh, started listening to episodes from before that. Uh, the Tennessee Boys, which obviously is our boys, Pabs, uh Cheese. The night, I really enjoyed the Twitter space. You know, learning more about baseball. I appreciate all of your takes. While I still hate LSU, I'm glad they won. Played amazing. If Tennessee couldn't win, I wanted to be LSU because I hate all things Florida. Keep up the amazing work, and God bless. What a message! I love it.
3: I mean, of course, it's from a Tennessee fan. It's all class, and I mean, first class fan base, really.
0: Unless it's on Twitter, Jim. I mean, no, the, I have, I have more friends of Tennessee and Mississippi State on Twitter than anybody. They just, they have some Tennessee has the ones that like to cross the line a little too much, and and if you, they're very passionate. Well, no, Randy will tell you the good Tennessee Twitter accounts are embarrassed by them. They they call them out. They're like, we have some of the worst ones.
3: We do. We do. Although you know, we talked about this a while back. LSU, they really were kind of missing from the Twitter fan base until they got good. So y'all got a lot of like, you know, what I'm saying bandwagon you know, No, fans. There,
0: no there, there are casuals at the woodworks. Those are the ones who they make it kind of they make it kind of clear based on a lot of the arguments they they make. So. I'ma do it.
3: I'ma do it, man. Y'all got one in particular.
0: Y'all got one in particular. He's
3: always saying the most outlandish shit.
0: You going after Joe Bird, 10 4. I'm going at, I think his name is Jason. Oh, uh, we got another one. W- Armstrong, w- you've interacted you've with Oh, oh, Jason. You know who I'm talking about. He was a college baseball player, so he knows I know. everything, Randy. He knows everything.
3: But I don't – some of the stuff he says, I think he says, it's like I feel like he's doing it and laughing, like he's saying it to Troll. He's got what,
0: what I feel like, though, here's the thing, though. He only acknowledges when he's correct – so he didn't acknowledge me and Baum who attacked him endlessly because he said Alabama was going to work Wake Forest because the SEC was dominant. That's and, exactly
3: the take I'm talking
0: about. <laughs> and he was nowhere to be found. And and, and you know what? And, and I'll end on this because we could do this all night, Daniel. He was also the guy who was beating on Ty Floyd. And then when Ty Floyd had 17 strikeouts was saying that he knew, he knew it all along. He knew Ty was that dude. Golly. All right.
1: Enough of that, because I don't even know who y'all are talking My about. My biggest
3: take from the SB's is this LeBron's never going to retire.
0: Never. Last, last call. Jim, what you got? Yeah, man, uh, I sent it to you guys earlier. We may one day have a Vanderbilt guy on the show. Uh, shout out to the young stud from Lewisburg State Championship baseball team. Talon Haley, obviously you guys are well aware. My mom got a very tough uh, cancer diagnosis. But this young man, 16 years old, committed to Vanderbilt, um, took the time to write her a letter um, to encourage her as he is a cancer survivor at his young age and uh, told her to to be strong. And if she, this is a 16 year old kid, guys, says if she needs anything, reach out to him. Do what we, it
3: do. All right. So we're going to have to break one of two rules we have here. Like we kind of have a rule that we don't have high school kids on anymore. And we kind of have this rule that we definitely don't have Vanderbilt players on, so we got to break one of the two. We that's why. That's
0: why I said the Vandy rule because I figure we'll let him get more polished before he comes I, I, on. I, I, the day he graduates
1: high school is the <laughs> day he comes on. That's right. Yeah. That's what I'm going.
0: With. <laughs> look, look, we're gonna say, what day do you get to campus? Okay, we need you the week before. <laughs> what's his What's his name again? Talon Haley. His brother is actually, he graduated this year, Gage Haley. He will be stepping on campus to play baseball for Mississippi State. Obviously, like I said, they won the state championship. Wow.
1: Big time. Big family. Randy, what you got? Last call.
3: I don't got nothing, man. I'm on I'm almost on vacation mode. I'm leaving Friday to head on down to the sunny state of Florida. I will be in uh Sandestin. You know, swing on up, D B. Let's let's have some drinks. But um yeah, man, I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm cashing it in, man. I'll be here Wednesday, and then y'all won't hear from me again.
1: Oh, he's gonna be in beach mode. This dude's gonna come back tan.
3: Yeah, fat looks better tan. Remember that commercial when we was kids?
0: Yeah. Bart- <laughs> I forget. Yeah, look, look, Palm look. Beach tans. Look, let's let's be real. He's he's skipping because he doesn't want to talk volleyball. Daniel, this is what <laughs> happened. All right, he's gonna. Yeah, to, they don't have Wi-Fi down in he's, Florida. He's doing wow. Tennessee basketball. Small so good, play. I'm skipping. I'm skipping Wednesday. Our first college basketball guest, who happens to be from Tennessee, so he's not gonna miss that. But afterward, yeah, he's rolling out. But he he will be missing our guy Mo Hampton. You know, Mus product did play for LSU. Now with the Memphis Tigers, that's okay though.
1: This
0: is this is how I'm gonna do the episode on Wednesday. Just like this. Bro, hey, you can hate, but one of the best episodes we ever had was Johnny Taylor by herself out the gate and predicting that national championship, period.
3: Oh, Uh, that's true.
0: Sure. Last call
1: for me. Jim, I can't believe you didn't say anything. Women's World Cup, Friday night. Are you
0: excited? Uh, Yeah. I'm not even going to lie to you. Man, I must have been sleeping. I didn't even know it was Friday.
1: Yeah, 9 p.m. It's, it's 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 going down oh
0: you're not watching 9 p.m soccer don't even lie on this show u.s versus vietnam I that's just, the only
3: reason i won't watch because i'll be on east
0: coast time guys I, I you did just intrigue me with u.s versus vietnam though within itself we we owe them a beating <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> it better be 10 to nothing daniel look hey i kid you not randy I I do got a soccer note for you. Daniel's watching my daughter's scrimmage at the University of Tampa. Shout out University of Tampa. Beautiful campus and facilities, athletic facilities. But anyway, the Taylor's team was making a hard push to tie the game with like a couple minutes left. And I was like, God, please let them tie. And unfortunately, they lost (laughs) by one. But I was like, God, I need this to end in a tie. And there's no shootout. He's just going to have to live with it.
1: I literally watched a girl on the other team take the ball from one end of the court or the field all the way down to the other end and just like, like, like nobody else was on the field.
0: Well, you, f- you forgot that was an actual university, of the Tampa player going against high school girls. That just wasn't fair. I mean, true, but. And I, I- saw Daniel's national championship trophy from when he was coaching.
3: Uh, yeah. In, I saw in it in the glass man. case. I saw it, man. I'm uh yeah, yeah. know yeah, of course first class, uh, First-class guy, first-class organization. I expected nothing less.
1: Do what I can. So, since since we're talking good about me, this is where we'll end the episode. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Roman Kimball. Great episode, man. Looking forward to big things from him. Obviously, he's on the road to recovery. Uh, looking good. Everything is 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 checking out the way it needs to be. Hopefully, at the end of November, he gets you all clear and he's full go uh, for the spring. But... You like hearing roman's story or you like just hearing us average joe's talk X and o's please like and share the podcast on facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple podcast spotify and anchor as always comments ratings feedback thumbs up hearts hugs loves special dms all that we'll take it all we love it and we'll see everybody on wednesday we got episode five coming at you we're gonna switch gears guys we're gonna talk basketball we're gonna be talking University of Tennessee basketball, it pains me to say that, but I'm going to be a good sport and I'm going to be here and I'm going to do my thing because I am a professional. We're going to be talking with DJ Jefferson and we're going to get his story. We're going to see what things are shaking at the University of Tennessee on the hardwood. This has been the In Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember strong body, sharp minds, great and grind all the time. We're out.